Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. A blind man walks into a grocery store led by his seeing eye dog. He goes to the middle of the store, picks the dog up over his head, and begins to swing the dog around in a circle by its leash. (laughs) You could picture it, I'm sure. The store manager sees what's happening and thinks it's really strange behavior. He walks over to the blind man and asks, pardon me, sir, may I help you find something? The blind man says, no thanks, I'm just looking around. Get it? Just looking around. (laughs) Oh man, I love that. I love that. One of the many crazes of the 90s when I was in high school was something called autostereograms. Does anybody know what an autostereogram is? You've seen these before. You'll know in just a second. An autostereogram is a single image stereogram designed to create the visual illusion of three-dimensional scene in a two-dimensional image. Go ahead and put up our first one on the screen here. You remember this now? Yeah. Put it on all the screens, guys. It'll be a little easier for them to see it. Can you see the image? If If you can see the image, raise your hand when you can see it. Dave's got it. Elmo's got it. Remember all the tricks that they used to tell you? Say, oh, you have to look like cross your eyeballs, you know, or, or, or I think the, the way that I found it works best is if, you try to, if you're trying to look in the distance and your eyes will focus on it. Anybody see this yet? No, Dave, what do you see? Little square guy? No, no. It might be because of the LED. I'm standing in the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> you see it, daughter? You see it, Caitlin? What do you see? There's three crosses. Exactly, honey. Good job. Well, see, you got to have eyes like a child, right? All right, let's see the next one. Once you see it, so, so if you can see this one, raise your hand, and I'll see if, you, see if you're right. <clears throat> try to cross your eyes. Try to stare at it really long. Those of you that are at home online, you guys have an advantage because you can see it right there in front of you on your screen. They're trying to look at it up on the big screens here. It's a little further away. Well, if you can't see it, that's okay. Anybody see it? No, not a mouse. Kind of close. Caitlin, what do you see? Nope, not a star is my daughter. Nope, it's a dove, actually. So you can go back later, watch online on YouTube, pull this up and just pause it and and look at it, go full screen and then try to see if you can see it. But a three-dimensional image, it's actually really cool once it does finally reveal itself to you, but it did take me even a few minutes uh, to be able to see those uh, yesterday when I was researching these. But tonight I wanna talk with you and hopefully encourage you to seek to see things the way our Heavenly Father sees them. The title of my message is, What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? And for this message, because I'm the tech guy here at the church, it wouldn't be complete without using a camera or something tech. So I actually had this set up earlier so I can come over here. We don't need to show this just yet. Just give me a minute here. So, by the way, if you ever want to join the production team, come talk to me. We're always looking for help. Oh, man. All right. Actually, I'm, well, I'm going to go ahead and read John, our passage for the evening. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Would you all stand to, your, stand to your feet here while we read this passage? It's a little bit longer. I know it's kind of up and down, but in honor of the Holy Word of God, I'd like to invite you guys to stand. But before I go any further, let me pray. <laughs> Father God, I'm so thankful for this opportunity, Father God, that we have to come together as your children to seek you, Father God, to hear what it is you want to say to us, Father God. Impart to us tonight, Lord God, something fresh, something new. Speak through me, Lord God. In your son's name we pray. Amen and amen. 
All right, John chapter four, verse one. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tried, uh, Jesus tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and the well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly speak, spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While the Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerzim, where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Amen, amen. Look at your neighbor as you're being seated and say, what are you looking at in your best gangster accent? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? And you guys could be seated. First of all, I want to point out to you guys, there's three reasons that this interaction should have never taken place. So to begin with, she is a she and he is a he. And back in those days, rabbis did not talk to women, talk to she in public. So that's one reason that this, this interaction would have seemed odd at the time to this woman. The other reason is she's a Samaritan. As it said, I think it was in verse nine, uh, she's a Samaritan and he is a Jew. Jews did not talk to Samaritans. And the third reason is that she is a woman of rather questionable character, we'll put it that way, and he is the Holy Lamb of God, right? But let's focus for a minute on what we can see in the natural if we insert ourselves into this scene. What can you see? What does John's writing shows us? It shows there's a woman, there's Jesus, there's a well, 
The woman probably has a bucket or a jar, right? Because she went there to lower the water. And in verse six, it says that it happened about noontime. Did you guys catch that? About noontime is probably one of the hottest parts of the day. So I asked myself, why would she go to the well at the hottest part of the day? If I'm going to do something that's strenuous, I'm going to do it in the morning when it's cool or in the evening when it's cool. I'm not going to go in the heat of the day. And I want to challenge you guys that I believe it's, it's happened because she was trying to avoid this judgmental gaze of those that know that she was uh, of her questionable uh, actions, that she was with a guy who she doesn't belong with. So, by the way, also one other thing I want to point out about, out about that uh, is, do you guys happen to know what time Jesus died? What time of day? Anybody? It's not a pop quiz. Stephen? Matthew 27, 45 says about the sixth hour or about noontime. Do you think it's a coincidence that she came to get her water in her shame at the same time that later Jesus would take away her shame? That's a side note. We see on the surface and yes, we we see what's on the surface and yes, God is the creator of everything seen, but Jesus didn't die for what is on the surface. He died for what's inside, what is within us. Everyone say with me, within, within. Awesome. Jesus wants to do something within you. Verse 18 says, uh, in verse 18, we see that she's been married five times. In verse 19, she acknowledges that he must be a prophet. You see, she thinks he's a prophet, though, because she, he knew her past. But the real thing that makes him a prophet is that he knows her future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, he knows the plans he has for us, plans to give us hope and a future. Sometimes what you're dealing with right now isn't what you're dealing with right now. She wanted water. She wanted to hide in her sin. But what she really needed, as Jesus said, was to drink the living water and see herself the way that he does. He loves her. He chose her. He values her. And he thinks the same about each one of you that are in this room and watching online. Human nature is to trust what we see in the here and now. But Jesus has something for you in your future, When the woman drank of the living water, she was changed from the inside out. The Bible says uh, she was so excited in verses 28 and 29 that she even left her jar behind. The very thing she came to do, she left behind and ran back to her Samaritan village where, again, Jews and Samaritans don't mix. She ran back to bring everybody to meet him. Romans 13, 14 Uh, says, instead, fully immerse yourself into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. Through Jesus' death on the cross, we are made new. We have a new purpose, a new vision assigned to us. We must look beyond the natural and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see things the way that he sees them. You've got to change what you're looking at. Everything in this world is broken because of sin. In the natural, we get glasses to correct it. Does anyone, I, I have a pair of reading glasses. I hardly use them. I probably should use them more. But uh, just confessions here, right? Confession, pulpit confessions, hashtag pulpit confessions. Uh, in the supernatural, <laughs> we need to wear the glasses of the blood of Jesus. We need to see ourselves how he sees us, how he sees what you're going through, how he sees your circumstances, how he sees your inadequacies, how he sees the things that consume your attention. Romans 8, 28 in the NIV says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
Romans 8, 28 in the, in the Passion Translation. I checked, I, I cross-referenced multiple trans, translations as I was studying. Passion Translation, I like the way it says it here. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. Every detail continually woven together for good. For, his, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purposes. What are you looking at? Do you have a kingdom perspective? You have a choice of what you focus on, right? Things like a doctor's report or maybe the great physician's report. Priorities of this world, influence, finances, prestige, significance, or the things that are of God. Humility, thankfulness, graciousness, faithfulness. The things that are important to, to us or the things that are important to him. I'm going to give you five, uh, five ways to see the world tonight, five ways to see the world around you the way that God wants you to. And for this illustration, I'm going to use this camera here as I br brought it out earlier. Uh, this is a nice high-end camera we have here. This is uh, something that we use here at the church to film. Uh, Jacob Polson, one of our great media producers, he'll walk around and film all of the, uh, uh, the, the kids having fun or sometimes you guys worshiping. And then we use those things to show videos, different stuff at church. So, but this camera has different functions and have different parts. So first of all, I'm going to take this lens off here. This is the lens. Inside each lens, inside this lens, there's a series of convex and concave optical elements. <laughs> Not to get too fancy, I'm a little geeky. My wife, when my wife read my notes, she said, you're pulling out your inner geek. Well, this is who I am. That work together to bend light and refract it into a single sharp focal point. This brings an image into focus at different distances. And some lenses even magnify or zoom. This particular one here is a telephoto lens, so it can zoom in and zoom out. And so this is what, go ahead, Jacob, and put that up. This is what the image looks like without the lens on it. Doesn't that look appealing? Now watch, watch as I put the lens on here. You can see it start to come in. There it is. Now you can see a little something there, right? All right. So point number one is use the right lens. We'll come back to the lens in, in just a minute. There's different types of lens, but the point number one is to use the right lens. When you choose a lens uh, to look at the things around you, you can magnify them, you can magnify the things around you, or you can magnify him, right? As we were talking with the lens before. Maybe another way of saying this is, are you looking at what's happening to you or what's happening in you? What's the, to the best of my studying, and I thought this was pretty cool, as I was studying uh, sight and whatnot in the Bible, <clears throat> in, all the documents in, the, in all the documented miracles in the Bible, I could find maybe eight examples of sight being given to the blind, and all of them were performed by Jesus, not of his disciples, all by Jesus. Jesus not only saves, but he brings sight to the blind physically and spiritually. We need Jesus. We need him far before we, we need his salvation far before we get to the pearly gates. We need it in the here and now to be able to see the things around us the way that he sees us. Point number two is put it in focus. Go ahead and put the camera up there. Jacob, there we go. I'm going to put it in focus here. Uh, you get the, uh, given. There's Pastor John. And now I'm a little off here. Let me try refocusing this. I'm trying to do this one-handed while holding the mic. There you go. I'm not going to give away my notes, though, so we'll point it right there. <laughs> what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what's right in front of you like this? Go ahead and put the camera back up there, guys. Or Give me the camera. Thank you. Or are you focusing on what's in the distance? 
Look at there's Pastor John. Don't get too nervous. Don't get too nervous. Are you focusing on what's in the difference? I had to work him into the into this message somehow. <clears throat> Sometimes you're just doing your best to focus on what's e the immediate concern is, what's in front of you. Just like the woman at the well going to draw water, she was immediately she was thirsty, right? But Jesus has eyes for your future. He's taking you somewhere. There's always something deeper. There's always a lesson in your miracle. Those of you that need a miracle, there's always a lesson along the way. God won't give you the miracle until he's certain that you can handle the miracle. You've got to learn your lesson along the way. We live in a get-it-now culture where <clears throat> you have almost anything you want right at your fingertips. We think, uh, we, we think we need a miracle now, and we neglect the fact that there's always something God wants us to learn along the way. Whatever your pain you're going through, keep going. When you get to the hallelujah side of it, God will use that, uh, that, that challenge to minister to those that are around you. I know people in this room that were on the verge of divorce that God has restored, and God can do the same. I know people in this room that were, on the, that were homeless, living on the streets, strung out on drugs, and now God has restored them, and they're making a difference for the kingdom. Whatever you're going through, keep going. You, probably have, you might have heard this saying before, your problem isn't your problem, how you see your problem is your problem. Ask the Lord to help you focus on the things you can't see in the flesh. Proverbs 8, verses 34. Uh, yeah, Proverbs 8, 34. Again, this is Passion Translation. And this one, I, I really, this, this verse struck, uh, struck me. If you wait at wisdom's door, longing to hear a word for every day, joy will, bring, will break forth within you as you listen for what I'll say. Practically speaking, one of the quickest ways to change your focus is to memorize scripture or at least carry around three by five cards. That verse right there is one of the ones that I keep with me. Uh, unfortunately, I left them in my truck. <laughs> so that's a bad example. But, uh, but keep, keep, keep scripture with you because when God's word gets into you, it can change you, right? Isaiah 55, 11 says, the word of the Lord does not return void. Amen. Point number three, Get a different perspective or get a different vantage point. If you've ever watched, I, I, I like war movies or, or shows, however you want to say that. Uh, if you've ever watched a war movie, you, you've seen them talk about, we got to get the high ground. We got to get that. We got to get the sniper up to the roof or whatever, you know. Uh, and, and, and the reason being is that the high, from the high point, it's easier to see the enemy coming and they could pick them off easier. They could fight the battle easier. When you're fighting a battle, you have to change your viewpoint. You cannot fight the battle from the ground. You have to change your viewpoint. You have to go higher. You have to ask the Lord, how do you see this? I can't see it on my own. I need to ask you. I need to look, at, look to you and see how you see it. You need to change a perspective so that you can see the big picture and grasp a better understanding of what he's doing. And I'm going to try to do this without dropping the camera here. Pastor John will fire me if I do. There we go. All right, give me the camera shot. Should I stay on John? <laughs> uh, I won't do that. That'll be, that's distracting. I'll just come back here to the pulpit so you guys get the idea. Different vantage point, right? Different vantage point. You see things differently the higher you go. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Don't try to figure out in the flesh what can only be discerned in the spirit. Don't try to figure out in the flesh what can only be discerned in the spirit. You have to ask God for his perspective. What God starts in the spirit can only be known in the spirit. We're familiar with the story of David and Goliath. A lot of us have heard that growing up in church. And, and when David went out on the battlefield and he saw Goliath in front of him, physically speaking, he saw a giant. He saw somebody seven, eight foot tall, probably huge muscles, tons of armor. You know, in the physical realm, that's what he saw. But he knew because God, he had God's perspective of that, how that battle was going to go. He knew that he didn't need any of Saul's armor. He had exactly what he needed, the exact tools of a shepherd that he had been raised with, that he had been working with. He had exactly what he needed, and so do you, if you'll get a different perspective on what you have. <clears throat> Where are you looking from? What's your perspective? Your position determines your decisions. This is a saying I heard recently, and it just struck me, and I hope it sticks with you. Your, your position determines your decisions, and your decisions will determine your positions. You decide if, you can, if you're going to come to church tonight, right? You decide if you're going to uh, uh, raise your hands in worship. You decide if you're going to get on bended knee and give the Lord whatever your concerns are. You make those decisions, those are positional decisions. As you make those decisions to change your position and go to church or to raise your hands or to go uh, before bend a knee, he will change your decisions. You will see things differently because you're putting on the, 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 the focus of Jesus. You're focusing differently. When you, your decisions, your, your positions determine your decisions and your decisions determine your positions. Do you praise the Lord for the little that you do have or, or do you keep going back and asking for more? It's in our weakness or in our lack that he is made strong. God's provision shines brightest. His, his mercies shine brightest when you are beyond what you can do. God, I, I don't know. This, this whole thing here is from him, right? When, when you're outside of what your comfort is, when you're outside of what you know how to do by yourself, that's when God can really use you and really speak through you. One of the biggest pressures that when I talk to couples is lack of resources, um, lack of finances, what, what have you. And I want to challenge you, if, if that's you tonight, to change your perspective and look at what you do have. Be thankful for what you do have. We should all have the mindset that everything I've got is a result of something God gave me. I had nothing to do with it. If you live like that from that perspective, you are positioned to be a blessing to many. What's your perspective? Number four, watch what you let in. Watch what you let in. We're going to go to Old Testament here. Nehemiah chapter seven, verses one through three. Story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem, picking it up in chapter seven. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem, my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot 
while the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. What are you looking at? Your eyes are a doorway. What are you letting in? The Lord had Nehemiah rebuild the walls around Jerusalem to, the out, to those on the outside of the walls, right? The enemies, they would look at the walls and they see a strong fortified city. To those that are inside, there's a feeling of safety, a feeling of security. But what good is a wall without a door? The last thing Nehemiah did was to put the doors in and then guard them. Men and women, you can build all the walls you want, but if you don't put in doors and guard them, what is coming in will overtake you and blind you. All right, so now we're going to give me the camera shot there. Blinded. <laughs> Are you looking at what others have and you don't? Are you looking at the faults others have and treating them based upon your judgments of them? You need to close that door. Some of you have walls with openings, but no doors. A door opens and closes, your eyes open and close. And either you see darkness or you see light. What do you see? Do you choose to look at the darkness and stumble through the night, uh, through maybe hitting the coffee table or the Legos on the ground or the dogs? <laughs> maybe that's just me. Or will you turn on the light and see what it is his son wants to show us? I've been on a diet now for almost 11 months. But, uh, and I've been seeing, yeah, thank you, Jerry. I've been seeing the fruit, fruits of that, obviously, uh, as, I, as I make those decisions. But when was the last time you put your eyes on a diet, right? And you really controlled and said, I'm not going to watch the news. I'm not going to go to social media. I'm just going to dive in the word or, or watch Pastor John's great preaching from last week <laughs> on YouTube. I know I have to tell myself, uh, you know, when I see those, I have anybody else have that crumble cookie app? Man, that thing is like. Crumble Cookies is a cookie store down here in Brea, and they come out with new cookies, and they have these videos that they post every week, and they always make the, the, the cookies look so good, and I am a sucker for peanut butter cookies. I love peanut butter. Pastor Sherry, too. Peanut butter cookies is the way to go. Sorry if you don't like it, but they always make them look ooey-gooey, and you know, just like you want to go get one, and I have to close that door every week, every week, continually. Because I know that I have a purpose. I have a goal that I've set my eyes on, that I've focused my attention on, that I want to achieve. And so if I don't close that door, I'm going to miss out on what it is that I, that I know that I want to do. Same thing for hamburgers, by the way. I'm a sucker for hamburgers. Yes, I do make them. I do like barbecuing for my family. What about for you? What is it for you when you're scrolling through Instagram? Is, it, is, it, is there something that flashes in front of your eyes that you know you shouldn't see? Or watching a movie or, or, or a TV show, something you know that grabs your attention that you shouldn't see, you need to close that door. I literally tell myself, I'm closing that door. I'm not doing that. If there's a fancy car going down the street, we, we, Seth loves cars. My son Seth here loves cars. Dad, look at that Corvette or look at that Lamborghini or Porsche or whatever. And yes, they're beautiful. But I have to close my do my, that door and say, I'm not going to covet. That's not what God wants for me. God has given me everything that I need for here and now for here today. I mean, you have to close those doors. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's going to a family friend's party or a family party where there's an ice chest over in the corner with all those things in it that you know you're not supposed to touch. 
you have to close those doors. No, I am not going to look that way. I'm not even going to think about that way. I'm going to close those doors. I'm not letting that in. I'm not even going to acknowledge that it's here. You have to close the door to the darkness and do not open it. You have to know your purpose. You have to know that he will never leave you or forsake you. In this morning's DNA reading, if you guys do that, it's our daily uh, reading that we uh, plan that we do here at the cause. It was, uh, one of the verses was Psalms 101.3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Mark 9 verse 47. And the, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. When you close the door to the temptations of this world, you are locking in on what the Lord wants for you. Control your eyes. What are you looking at? Point number five. This is my last point, so don't get nervous. <laughs> Look back at all that God has done, even in the hard times, and celebrate. Celebrate. If this camera, which it doesn't right now, if it had a memory chip in it, right, I could play back for you guys all of the stuff that Jacob has filmed around the church. Kids worshiping, kids having fun, singing, playing together, smiling. Some of you out at the lobby talking to each other, hugging each other, praying for each other. Some of you in here with your arms raised in worship. Those are all celebrations. Those are all good things. Look back at the good things. We all have a story. There are hard things. Losing Pastor Bob sucked, if I could say it that way, sorry. Losing my mom to breast cancer in 98 sucked. But I can honestly say that all of those things have made me the man that I am today. Because you have to change what you're looking at to keep going. God, I, I believe that God ordained me for such a time as this to bring hopefully to one of you, to somebody in this room or watching online, this word for the weary. If all you ever see is life's challenges, you're missing the point. We need to praise him for who he is, not just what he does for us. We need to praise him for who he is, not just what he does for us. When you reflect back on your life and remember all the things he has done for you, your faith to believe in the future things grows stronger. Don't just have a prayer list, have a praise list. Prayer lists are great, but have a praise list. God, you did this for me. God, you delivered me from that. At my house, one of the things that uh, we have on, on our kitchen counter, it's been a few years now, it's a jar about yay big. And Lorraine and I have done our best. We don't do it all the time, but we do our best to write on pieces of paper the blessings of God when God blesses us and we put it in that jar so we can go back and look at it when the hard times hit. Things like a few years ago, we were a week away from vacation. I didn't know what we were going to do. We had nothing planned, but I had the time booked off and I just finally said, Lord, I don't know. All the other plans fell through. What are we going to do? And that same day, somebody from the church posted on Facebook, hey, I have this cabin or this uh, condo in Utah. If anybody wants it, let me know. Yes. Thank the Lord. That was a blessing from Jesus because he knew because I trusted him and I looked to him and I asked him. Or this year. <laughs> this year, we've done two new transmissions. Oh, yes. And God provided for both of them <laughs> in only ways that he can. What do you celebrate? What do you, what do you what, look back even during the hard times? 
Remember what God has done in the past. Remembering what God has done in the past gives us hope for our future. We need to focus on the blessings of God and remember them. God never looks at you and thinks, I can't use him. He's not good enough looking. He's not smart enough. He's not a good enough speaker. He doesn't have a good enough voice. No, he looks at us and says, if only they would look to me and ask me. If only they would look to me and ask me. I will pour out my blessings upon them. Instead of looking at your lack, look to his supply. Shift your vision and see things the way that he sees them. What are you looking at? The enemy always seeks to diminish what you've been given. If you want to change what's coming out of you, no more anger, no more worry, no more judgment, change what you're letting in. What are you looking at? But Pastor Chris, you don't know how hard it is. You're right, but he does. I feel like there's a word for someone here today that if you'll draw close to him, he will use your weeping to wipe the pain from your eyes so that you can be refined for his purposes. I'm going to say that again. If you'll draw close to him, if you'll look to him, if you'll focus on him, he will use your weeping, the things that are hurting you, the things that are uh, 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 distracting you, he will use those to redirect and refine his purposes in your life. Even right now, we need to praise God for what we can see, for the things underneath. We have something special, something special on the inside. By the time Jesus was done with the woman at the well, she, the, the Bible tells us she ran back to the town to bring everyone out to meet him. She thought she was coming to get a drink to satisfy her flesh, but God wanted to touch her spirit and to transform how she saw herself and her circumstances. And he wants to do the same for you. It's an inside job. The level we see it is the level we solve it. I'm going to say that again. Don't let that go. The level you see it is the level you solve it. We deal with the things at the level we can physically see them. We need to ask the Lord to help us to see the things that, the way that he sees them so we can solve the, the root of the problem in the spirit. We need to learn to trust in what is unseen by our physical eye. God does not do things the way that we think he should. He does things in a way that is strange to us, maybe uncomfortable, maybe not even what we would prefer. But as one of my favorite sayings from Pastor Bob is God's ways are always better. We need to have faith to see in the unseen and to trust in his faithfulness. When you get your focus right, he pulls you out of the depths of despair. We're going to shift our focus right now Whatever you came in here with today, I want you to ask the Lord to to take away your blindness. Ask him to show you what he wants you to focus on. Ask him to meet you right where you're at. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-7000
0930.